Hi there, this is Naziati Muhammad Yaakob and host of um, Talk Architecture Podcast. I'll be doing part two of um, the conversation that I started earlier on the basics of a school of architecture. In that particular episode, for half an hour almost, I was just trying to summarize those important points that we discovered um, throughout the year. In particular, last year where we dealt with a lot of interviews and even clubhouse room uh, discussions on this topic of a school of architecture, we interviewed graduates, um, old and old and uh, new graduates from the AA School of Architecture. And, and there were many conversations around many aspects. And in a way, I'm giving my opinion after listening to all in the last part, in the first part, now the second part, picking on the topic of how are we teaching sustainability? I'm just focusing on that. And much of what I'm going to discuss is based on a lecture that I gave to my students, the last lecture, actually. Um, and yes, we know that there are many aspects to architecture that should be addressed in school. Um, but how do how are we teaching sustainability? How do, how do uh, the students learn uh, architecture, and are they being trained to be technologists or more towards sustainable science or sustainable design specialists rather than architects with the knowledge of sustainability? And whether or not you think that matters or not, it's up to you. But in my understanding, it does matter because um, we are not doing justice to the whole um, architecture program and uh, the preparation of young minds to go into architecture. And um, it's not uh, sustainability, it's not just to do with environmental science or climate change or just science. It has to do with so many other things that we need to prepare our students to be um, to be skilled in recognizing those other things as well as the science of it. So there was a, a particular episode and that was done in April 29, 2020, the season one, episode four, on the interdisciplinary nature of architecture, uh, hyphen architecture dis architecture design education. And um, at that time, um, of course, I set out in this um, journey of starting this podcast, asking questions, and just putting it out there, the case for interdisciplinary, because in the last decade, I found that it's important aspect to address. Um, and I was still in the design thesis studio, so very much those things are part of the complexities of the design thesis um, course. So at that time, we 
probe and question on why does architecture straddle the two main branches of human knowledge, science, and humanities. So there was a dialogue that I had earlier with an ecologist. It is because architecture is about the planning, designing, and constructing of form, space, and ambience to reflect functional, technical, social, environmental, and aesthetic considerations. So environmental is just one of them. There's so many aspects to architecture, obviously. So that is giving an introduction on the premise we're coming from with this discussion is um, that uh, referring to that statement, what architecture is, yeah, when relating to human knowledge. So um, we also said that uh, the word architecture nowadays also includes other design systems, especially in information technology referring to computer architecture. And architecture nowadays is also about perfecting human culture. It's not just about perfecting human culture, but also being environmentally conscious that is making creative solutions to energy and waste problems. So this, the last sentence, making creative solutions to energy and waste problems, does not mean that you, you abandon your architectural sensibilities and the fact that architecture is in the humanities and you abandon that and you go towards science. But we notice that the emphasis on the curriculum is more on science in many architecture schools. And that is because of this um, skewed way of thinking about sustainability. That is my premise. This is purely my opinion. And um, actually, this, this particular lecture that I gave to the students are just notes which will assist me in, in um, discussing about this topic today. Um, we want to know about the origins and evolution of architectural theory and this topic about um, green architecture and sustainability is so important. We know that um, when you talk about architecture nowadays, it's all about digital architecture um, and how animation um, advance, in, advances in digital uh, architecture and softwares have influenced uh, how architecture is perceived. Um, and the, there are many star architects out there where corporations are employing them to um, create the signature buildings and with fluid forms because technology is able to do that. Technology has uh, emboldened um the architect to be able to do parametricism and some sort of the branch of architecture that deals a lot with digital architecture. So there's also a movement um, of anti-architecture, but that's, we'll talk about that later if we need to. But so when there is this images or drawings, uh, computer-aided drawings, uh, computer drawings that um, influence a lot of our students or those wanting to do architecture. It's sort of divorce the, the feeling of architecture away from the nuts and bolts and the, the how architecture is perceived in the past. Um, and um, 
in a way, um, realizing that that could be the career career path of a person um, depend on that person's under, um, the reality, whether the person actually understand that architecture is much more than just digital architecture and that you need to have other sensibilities in order to um, get the correct design to suit human beings and the needs for human beings to flourish. So we're just talking about architecture in a way that we're talking about architecture that um, influences society. Architecture does have play a part. Architecture is political. Uh, if one wishes to say architecture is separate from politics, then it is not really on. So this lecture that I gave um, actually touched touch upon all that. And I may not be giving a lecture now, but these are the notes that I I, I prepared. And um, uh, students uh, appreciated this lecture in, in a sense that I didn't give like a one-sided view. But there were many definitions that were important. So I, I tell you again that why is it important for us to define uh, how we teach sustainability in architecture school, all right? So um, what is happening right now is the question I asked students. Um, now January, uh, mid-January or just past it in 2022, um, we are in so much invested in understanding about the pandemic and the situations that we're in um, is heavily influenced by the pandemic and how we cope with our mental, physical and spiritual health. So we know that in the past, uh, the green architecture uh, is the word that we use to, to talk about our, our architecture that um, is energy efficient, includes the use of renewable energy sources such as wind, water, or solar, creating a healthy indoor environment, um, implementing natural ventilation systems where possible, and using construction materials that minimizes the use of volatile organic compounds in the home. So this is part of the definition that I got from uh, sourceable.net, the difference between green and sustainable. I will explain further that green architecture emphasizing the use of materials and resources that are sustainable and have low embodied energy and produce a minimal environmental impact, which are key elements in green construction, as is the efficient use of water by appliances, faucets, and shower heads, the recycling of grey water and the reuse of rainwater for landscaping and non-potable purposes. So what's wrong with that? Yeah, but it sounds not like architecture, does it? It sounds like science. So after a while, if the student read about this in a lecture course, uh, in a course for 14 weeks, they will understand it more and more. But is that all it is about? Because the way I see it, green um, sustainable design in schools of architecture is basically green architecture and technology advanced technology after a while. So it's the same regurgitating of the same thing over and over again. So we should um, actually um, understand where the word sustainability comes from. 
to to actually open up the discussion, to actually look at the interdisciplinary nature of it, to look at how it is actually from the humanities as well and not just science, you see. So while the definition of green is relatively simple, sustainability has a more precise meaning and is derived from the term sustainable agriculture, Okay, which is the production of any plant or animal products using farming techniques that protect the environment, public health, human communities, and animal welfare without compromising future generations' ability to do the same. So actually, when it happened in the last millennium, when they were trying to define sustainability, it came from sustainable agriculture, the realization that agriculture could be not sustainable and what are the problems inherent in that were revealed at that time. According to the United States Environmental Protection Agency, sustainability creates and maintains the conditions under which humans and nature can exist and productive harmony that permit fulfilling the social economic and other requirements of present and future generations. Now, the word economic, the word social is very much in there, and the definitions is adopted or adapted accordingly later on in the millennium, in the last 20 years. The importance of sustainability lies in the future factors which set a high standard than those used to define green buildings. So we obviously see that it's not just... uh, advanced technology or high-tech or the definition of green architecture, but it's much bigger than that. So when we, took, when we think about settlements, when we think about neighborhoods, communities, then it's much bigger than architecture, really. So architecture deals with urbanity, urbanism, urban design. So when you regard this, what are we doing in architecture school? then you start thinking about how we're going to teach students of architecture. So, um, as you know, uh, just looking back on some historical perspectives on this, um, there were few, uh, a couple of signif- significant writings in the last century. One in 1967, Man and Environment by Robert Arville, and also another one, um, The Silent Spring by Rachel Carson in 1962. So you can imagine before 1970s, they were thinking about um, sustainability. So um, I'm just saying it here. Uh, those are the references that further we further understand about sustainability. We also know about Industry 1.0, which is during the Industrial Revolution, at the turn of the century, at the turn of the last century, mechanization, steam power, weaving loom, and then we come across to second Industrial Revolution, electrical energy, base mass production, third revolution, uh, computer internet-based uh, knowledge, and now we're into the fourth revolution. In fact, we're going to go into the fifth revolution. Those things are very fast now. But anyway, the fourth industrial revolution, we're still in it. It's in the early 21st century. It's a second information revolution. The first one was a, the internet-based knowledge. The third 
industrial revolution. Now we're talking about artificial intelligence, information technology, and big data, IoT, and so on, and blockchain. So we also understand that. And um, I'm just skipping the one, um, the earlier ones, so that we we know that the concept of sustainable development was formed formed the basis of the United Nations Conference on the Environment and Development held in Rio de Janeiro in 1992. That was an important event, and the concept of it was formed. <clears throat> this summit marked the first international attempt to draw up action plans and strategies for moving towards a more sustainable pattern of development. So, um, subsequently, we have others. Um, the first was the Earth Summit that we mentioned just now in 1992. Then we have the Kyoto Protocol in 1997, 2000, the UN Millennium Development Goals, and so on. Yeah, the latest being 2012, the Rio Plus 20. So what is all this? And we know about the green building, and and in even in Malaysia, we have this this reference of. The Energy Commission Diamond Building envisioned in 2002. A lot of things happened at that time, yeah, and completed in 2009, and they uh, created the Malaysian Green Building Index. So is this what it's about? Teaching students of architecture uh, to be uh, able to produce architecture that has platinum ratings under the Malaysian Green Building Index. So it's kind of interesting that um, with all this rating system and investing all our energy just to get our buildings uh, rated under this, under this, we we have we reviewed what this green building index is about. So I did get some input that green ray is much better than green building index or GBI. And I did get some input about how Singapore is considering the aging population issues and planning for 2050. Yeah, and it's about neighborhoods, urban design, and how one would approach um, planning uh, the, the Singapore neighborhoods. And they don't place emphasis on the Green Mark program. They call it the Green Mark, not the G GBI. As much as they place emphasis on the Universal Design Mark, the UD, UD mark. So I got this um, feedback from some graduates uh, from University of Malaya who practices in Singapore, saying that in the, the Singapore government placed emphasis more on the issue of universal design than green, um, green building. So we do have references of how Singaporean architects explore um, green building or now they're making like eco building or other names to describe this building there is another set of notes here where nirmal kishnani in in a building resilient communities forum um talk about the conventional way and how we've come from conventional with a negative impact to green with a less negative impact and as a super green uh, with a minimal impact, um, and then nature-centric solutions, and then now we're looking at socio-ecological paradigm. So 
all in good. I've been a disability advocate for since, um, well, since 1998. And we know that in Southeast Asia and even Asian Pacific, Singapore is one strong economy. And to be able to maintain um, and have the money to sustain green, um, uh, what I call nature-centric solutions, uh, such as some of this architecture that's been done by Woha, um, where they have like 30-plus species of um, vegetation on sky terraces on this high-rise building and 20-plus species just on the facade. There's a lot of examples, actually, of um, how highly high-tech this nature-centric solutions of buildings are. And uh, when you talk about socio-ecological uh, so socio paradigm, um, yes, it is expensive architecture where you could um, have a, a transfer tank, irrigation, veg vegetative filter uh, in many of these levels. You know, I'm looking at a particular section of a building um, by Woha and... I'm not criticizing Woha. I think it was good that they explore this. Uh, but it's in the context of Singapore. So you have the green roof, you have the rain garden, you have the rainwater harvesting, you have the cleansing bio, biotope, uh, eco pond. So all these nature-centric solutions are there as evidence that they've been built and they've been maintained for a lot of money and um, the corporations that maintain this obviously uh, have a big budget to do so. And uh, Kishnani mentioned about in 2019 in his book, um, what was his book? Um, well, Google Kishnani and you will find the latest book. He was talking about ecopuncture. Yeah, and the rooftop park and farm along with the social housing. So you're looking at socio-ecological um, paradigm, not just high-rise with a nature-centric solution anymore. A lot of these examples like uh, Park Royal on Pickering and Kampong Admiralty by Woha to find um, uh, this sort of architecture. And... Um, of course, that's not the end of it when it comes to uh, architecture that addresses um, sustainability um, and other examples such as this green school by Ibuku um, and resorts um, and so on. So, so actually, we're just, well... There is a Malay idiom, lepas batuk di tangga, which in English is just to, you know, <clears throat> just to like clear your throat regarding this matter of sustainability by architects. Um, I think in the architectural education, when we want to find innovation, when we want to find interdisciplinary work, we need to push the envelope, we need to... to um, seek out new lands to conquer. I mean, seek out new lands to conquer, new minds to conquer, really. You know, the Green Building Index in Malaysia are basically to achieve points on targeted areas 
um, so that building will be more likely, a building will be more likely to be environmental friendly than those that do not address this, the issue. So we have a bunch of buildings and then, um, you know, you make it that uh, it's not mandatory because that will, you know, that's that wouldn't be fair for some people, I suppose. So under the GBI, Green Building Index Assessment Framework, points will also be awarded for achieving and incorporating environment-friendly environment features which are above current industrial practice. So what, what else can you do, right? So this current state of um, construction, real estate, property, um, there are many speculative development. Um, there are uh, housing out there being built. And it is um, optional to go for the Green Building Index. But the conversation on sustainability has not been addressed regarding master planning, neighborhoods, you know, all these other ideas on how, well, we even could use the word socio-ecological paradigm that Kishnani used to, uh, in 2019 just to try to create a definition of what uh, we should be looking at when we teach sustainability in architecture schools. So that's the point. Uh, using all these notes, I'm trying to like... Um, uh, try to burst the bubble of um, green building index and the way we think about architecture in a sense that have we considered the humanity side of architecture when we define sustainability in architecture. Yes, we have very interesting other, other interesting um, ideas uh, from uh, in the Southeast Asia, like biophilic design, um, and students are attracted to that. I could hear, I, I could, I could remember a lot of students mentioning this in the last couple of years. Biophilic design has a more qualitative goal, specifically human well-being tied to the presence of natural elements in buildings, such as greenery and water, or access to attributes and qualities found in nature which is hard to measure uh, if you want to measure GBI, but it's often highly visible since it affects architectural form and appearance. So I think that's encouraging that uh, we, we try to break this normal thing, uh, the, the standardized thinking or the perception that architecture is, um, uh, architecture sh sh sexy or you have to be like fluid, you know. I mean, it's not, this is a sexy as well, having all this... Uh, a greenery, um, and I'm quoting from Stacking Green, drawing by Vo Trong Nya. Um, Bin House by Vo Trong Nya is another, um, is, is, the, is the architecture that is being discussed here, and how um, he's created this buffer of uh, vertical green um, screens to, to get... Um, to reduce the uh, use of ne um, uh, mechanical, I mean, air condition inside spaces and the green roof to lessen the impact of solar heat gain, which is an obvious thing if you were to do it in um, in a for a house. So these are ex these should be something that more, uh, students of architecture need to explore more and. Um, 
and so yes i mentioned earlier about digital architecture and anti-architecture and the reaction to what uh, patrick schumacher said um in 2012 when he slams the british architectural education and there was a reaction to that um so that that um so someone, the one who is uh, reacting to that said that, um, I would argue on the contrary that each architecture is actually a site of radical political political activism. Most of them are indeed a radical embodiment and violent implementation of the dominant power. So there is this debate about capitalism and socialism. And um, yeah, you know, architects are not... Um, are not separated from this discussion, obviously. So this person also said in reaction to Schumacher was um, by Leopold Lambert, open letter to Patrick Schumacher. Yes, architects are legitimized and compete, competent to address the political debate. Yeah, the Fernambulus, uh, 2nd February 2012. So he, Lambert said his conclusion would therefore be that I agree with you about the fact that architectural education has to be questioned and re-questioned. However, your realism that declares architects as non-legitimized nor competent to address the political debate is a direct invitation to inhibit any critical attitude towards the relationships of power and of production that structure our society. I would therefore argue for the perfect negative of your project, whether you call it irrealism, idealism, utopianism, or any otherism that we thought we got rid of in the past. So there was a critique um, on that. But, you know, we get a sense that... Um, Architects do not want to be drawn into this political debate. Um, they did not set out to do these things, um, but um, we are affected by anything, any stance. If we keep quiet, also the same thing. We are um, not really one to question. It's also a way of having an approach or having a um a political stance yeah so nikos salingaros um wrote um about the situation on the internet in books and newspapers and in journals the most offensive contemporary star architects are increasingly described as anti-architects the paradoxical proliferation of inhuman buildings explained in terms of viral methods of infection and monstrous new forms are analyzed with reference to their willful non-adaptivity. People start noticing that some built forms and spaces create anxiety and symptoms of physiological distress in the user, but this connection is denied by the architect and by architectural critics who promote that architect. So 
Nico Soligaros in patterns.architecturez.net um, is cri criticizing this um, the viral of these forms. And um, what does it has to do with sustainability that I set out to, to talk about teaching of sustainability is because teaching of sustainability is not clear than other architectural issue, um, aspects or architectural um, uh, debate or architectural teaching is also not clear in a way that because we are saying anything goes. Um, and so, so Nico Salingar has uh, said a lot more about the profession, which is not self-governing. As a result, the public is not protected from professionals who abuse or damage nature's delicate geometry. So he's, he's from the point of view of nature, um, fractals and all that. So in conclusion, um, we would want to see models of a healthy environment for everyone. As mentioned by Dr. Robert Bullard, a climate justice pioneer and distinguished professor of urban planning and environmental policy at Texas Southern University in Houston. It was part of my art, uh, part of my slide. So there is this diagram on daycircus.com, how green cities of the future could look like. So what he said is uh, stated that architects and urban planners need to tackle social challenges with an interdisciplinary team approach. Quote, today there are a lot of projects dealing with issues around sustainability, climate resilience, walkability, and equity. But if the architects don't build equity and health into the framing of these projects, you will get more gentrification and more exclusivity. You'll get more places that are somehow islands that don't provide any heterogeneity in terms of ethnicity, in terms of income, in terms of kinds of occupations of the people who live there, he states in an interview. It's very much so that we are still isolating ourselves and the solutions of, of islands of condominium, you know, this is prevailing where I live. Um, you can't really get into a gated community which has access to green, you know, that sort of... Um, situations where um, the dream, the dream of someone owning a piece of um, a piece on the earth in the sky, maybe with a high rise condominium and all sorts of facilities in there and which is gated, which is um, still in isolation, uh, isolating oneself, still building um, green building index building that maybe not sustainable truly truly sustainable so have we taught our students these issues are we being critical or can we get students to be critical is it our right to to like uh, blindfold our students and not asking questions so um uh, again i would like to conclude from his um from um uh, bullard's um diagram the features of a 20-minute neighborhood that, that is, 
it's like a circle and there are this the this this uh, sections of it that what should be a 20 minute neighborhood local shopping centers local health facilities and services local schools lifelong learning opportunities local play- playgrounds and parks green streets and spaces community gardens sport and recreation facilities safe streets and spaces affordable housing options ability to age in place housing diversity walkability safe cycling networks local public transport well connected to public transport jobs and services within the region local employment opportunities so when 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 um architects with developers develop a lot of isolated condominium projects and and not allow people to use the land or not shared you know when when you plan our cities to be selfish um people to be selfish and to not care this is what we get climate change issues the floodings you know of not caring of money is always the answer for growth and not asking questions not asking questions like everybody should have the equal opportunity to to the 20 minute neighborhood but i when i look at this i can't find really a neighborhood that has all this things you know uh, like a perfect neighborhood where everyone thrives so the disparity in terms of income will go up still and it is something to do with what's happening the way we teach architects sustainability in schools of architecture so we got to wake up because education is one of the most fundamental things to get uh people to actually have a different mindset a different a different way of thinking and we're not doing it so yes i'm saying this straightforwardly we are apologies to capitalists yes i'm not saying i'm not be critical to capitalism because uh, that's a bigger thing that i i can't really go in talk about i'm not a philosopher but we are apologists to the to to um let me say that uh, the big businesses or the rich people the people who call the shots the powers that be you know and um by just following we're not questioning and and yes um students of architecture need to actually be exposed to a lot of uh, practices to under, to be critical of what's happening around them and if we don't do that um you know it will affect what's happening in in our earth as well and um yes we also have to play our part we are also political so that is the conclusion for this topic on um this topic on the basics of a school of architecture part 2 and how we teach sustainability in schools of architecture have we done enough that's the question thank you very much for listening